It's time for building the game. Building the game. With Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The fun forever It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, March 6th, and you're listening to episode 562. As always, I am your host, Jason. Here today, joined by fellow game designer, fellow BTG weekly grouper, and that is Jack Rosetree. Hey, Jack. Hello. How's it going? Good. It's good to uh, it's good to have you here. You've recently joined uh, us in the uh, our meetups. I don't. How did you come across our meetups? Uh, I you, realize <laughs> you can blame Heather Newton for that. Oh yes. We get a lot of uh, we get a lot of people thanks to Heather, so I, I'm happy to blame her for that because, uh, yeah, it's great. It's uh, I know there are several people there that uh, have come in simply because Heather was talking about it with Protospiel, and uh, yeah, I mean, obviously Protospiel uh, online, uh, all the people that attend that are kind of our target audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, and uh, I feel like Heather just also knows everyone. It seems like, <laughs> so. Well, yeah, it's it's uh it's it's great to have you here, and um, so you uh, turns out live wickedly close to Gen Con, which is is something to be jealous of uh, for mm-hmm. everyone that doesn't live close to Gen Con, um, and uh, yes, you uh, you're an indie, and uh, so so your Gen Con plans must be easy. You're like, I bought a badge and uh well they they would be easy if i didn't work for a game store that was two blocks away from gen con uh so my my time's pretty well occupied during that time but uh during my off hours what few i have uh it is kind of nice to be able to uh have my wife just drop me off i go in i run around and then i i text my wife a few hours later and say hey like let's go get some dinner and we're off to the to wherever to get dinner in some right, of the right. fabulous local fair places that nobody that comes to Gen Con knows about. Yeah. And there are so many, so many of them around there. Mm-hmm. I know that we've, we've went several blocks away, like, you know, to uh, find uh, there was an Indian food place we really liked that was five or six blocks, six to 10 blocks away. I would say it was a hike mm-hmm. uh, and it's never busy. And it's really good. And it always makes us happy to be able to walk a, a little ways. You get some exercise in. It's cool. And then uh, get some fresh air. And then you, um, yeah, get to uh, not be crowded with a ton of people for an hour, which is nice considering a Gen Con. Normally, you're just crowded with a bunch of people all the time. Yeah. The the place that I, I, I love to recommend uh, is it's called The Trap. And I, I believe it's far enough away from Gen Con. You'd, you'd have to take a car or an Uber to get there. Mm-hmm. But uh, you're not going to believe me when I describe it because it is a window on the side of a liquor store that serves seafood four <laughs> hours a day. I mean, uh, the fact that it's called the trap is not um, <laughs> like, I mean, it feels like it's a trap. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's good, though. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's it's a massive pile of like potatoes and broccoli and salmon slathered in butter of whatever flavor you want. They have a really wow. great chowder, um, but they're only open basically at lunchtime for like a four hour block. Uh, you, you swing by, you order at the window. It's ready in like five minutes and, and you just take off from there. Nice. That sounds good. I may have to get some more details on that. I uh. My big score last year was I figured out where there was a, a secret parking garage that was five blocks away uh, okay. that was uh, near the hotel. It was at my car was too tall to fit in. I mean, I don't have like I have a I have a Nissan Armada, which is a decent sized car, but we we have a camper. We used to tow it. It's got a V8 in it. Uh, and it's just tall enough that like the parking garage for a hotel was like six foot four. And the car is about six foot six or six foot seven. And I was like, the lady's like, you can probably get in. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to try it. I mean, like, you know, just let some air out of the tires. Right. I was like, what? (laughs) And the other lady was like, no, I got you here. And she gave me this, this like note with this address on it. And I was a little like, okay, I hope this is okay. (laughs) You know, right. Like it's just some dude. She knows it's his his place. It's a chop shop. It's cool. Um, No, but anyway, so I, I go to this place. It's literally just around the corner. And parking was $15 a day. And I was like, what? How is this possible? Like, 
Um, yeah. So anyways, that was pretty crazy. It was 45 bucks for the entire time I was there. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is normally like a third of what I pay while I'm there. So I was like, oh, my gosh, this, I feel smart. And yeah, it's just I'll, I'll... I have a tall car. <laughs> A lot of the parking garages upped their prices uh, this past year as well. So be prepared for that. It doesn't surprise me. And actually, I'm hoping to uh, save. We're going to actually do a secret thing, and we are going to go camping. Uh, my friend Ken Franklin, a uh, uh, fellow game designer, um, him and his wife go stay at a campground that's just outside of town. And, uh, okay. and then he drives in every day. Um, and we have a camper and my family likes Gen Con, but doesn't want to be there the whole time. So we're like, Hey, you know mm-hmm. what? We'll just go camp next to Ken, uh, the kids and my wife and Ken's wife, they can all hang out and stuff and uh, do whatever. And then we can just drive in today, drive in every day together, save money on parking. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it'll be great. Uh, and then everybody can like my wife and kids will want to go on Sunday then to, uh, to see everything. And then I'll actually stay till Monday, which will be a first that I've never done with Gen Con before. Um, like the coolest of the cool kids who stay till Monday. So, right. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's a lot about Gen Con. That's a ways away, but uh, I'm always excited to talk about Gen Con. I feel like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's a, I've been reaching out to a lot of companies and just being like, Hey, like whatever you're bringing out this year, if you can't have it at Gen Con, why not have it at my store? Right. Right. Which is just around the corner. <laughs> Literally. Well, Hey, we've got a topic we should, we should chat about tonight. Yeah. You, uh, I always am asking for topics in the, in the show topics channel under discord and, and you posted one that uh, got my attention and made me laugh. And that is that is the kind of topic I want to cover. So uh, so I'll let you uh, I'll let you introduce that. Yeah. Yeah. It was something I, I pitched uh, as a panel for one of the many uh, conventions that got canceled during COVID. And uh, right, right. so I, I saw your your call to action and was like, this this is a good place to kind of throw this. Um, the basic concept is uh, games and game mechanics that are more enjoyable, more fun, uh, more exciting when you are bad at them. Um, the the <laughs> the easiest and, and the quickest way to kind of like get this across to most people is uh, drawing games. Uh, if I play a drawing game with somebody that's really good at drawing, I am bored out of my mind. I hate it. Like Telestrations is is a really great game. It's basically telephone with drawings. Right, right, right. And it'll be like draw a rabbit playing chess with a turtle. And if I sit down with somebody and they're really, really good and they just, they draw it and then they show it to everybody. And it's like, yeah, that's, right. that's a rabbit playing chess, with, chess a with a turtle, you know, as opposed to, uh, I don't know, that's two buildings uh, proposing to one another over candlelight. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's so much more fun when you have those, those interactions. And so I wanted to just kind of expand on that idea. A lot of my games uh, that I designed personally, I really like to focus in on that fun factor and mm-hmm. highlighting and encouraging um, just wacky interactions and uh, uh, giving people an opportunity to uh, celebrate effort without maybe lionizing skill and talent above just having a good time Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. i think is something that's worth doing uh sometimes we maybe focus a little too much on every game needs points and a winner and and i like to move away from that as much as possible yeah right right i um i immediately thought of like when you mentioned this i was talking to my wife about it actually i was like oh we're gonna talk about this topic the the person has this really cool topic and uh and in the first game that came to mind for her and I was the game Monikers, which is mm-hmm. like a charade style game. And watching the people who are bad at that <laughs> is just so great. Like, like so great. The look you see on people's face when they're like, I don't know what, what to are do you doing right with now. your arm like, and yeah. why are you doing it? Right. The best is the one word, because like the one time you can only say one word. And once you say that word, you're committed to that word. Right. And when you say the word and you're like, that was the wrong word, but I'm just going to keep saying the word and then I'll just start to say it like in different accents and hope that'll help, but it doesn't <laughs> always help. Like, um, you know, uh, yeah. So in those games are, are hilarious when you are 
like if you're like like there's one friend of mine and i and when her and i get on the same team we just destroy like because like we just we we're on the same wavelength when we're doing stuff with especially like nerdy things like we're just like boom 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 and it's fun and it's thrilling but it's not as fun as when I'm, my mom is playing and she's like really bad at describing things. <laughs> and it just makes me lose my mind laughing, you know? Yeah. And, and I, uh, so, so I was, I was trying to think of other areas that, that this really happens that we don't think about as much. Like there, there's definitely like a lot of party games that do that, but I also right, right. press your luck games is another area that's really like, people that press their luck really efficiently and really appropriately and quit when they're supposed to like those are boring games to play with them it's like oh exactly. okay you got you got a small bonus you quit while you were ahead and now it's the next person's turn i guess that's good for you um you know i guess you're gonna win good job you um but there's also, you know, like you said, with with Moniker, there's a lot of like acting or charade style games um, where when somebody is bad at the delivery, it's just it's so much more fun that way. Um, mm -hmm. well, and then, go yeah, ahead. go ahead. Oh, I was going to say with Pressure Luck Games, it's interesting because when I think about Pressure Luck Games, the most fun I've ever had with those games, uh, I can think of the exact most fun I've ever had with with a Pressure Luck game. And that was playing uh, Dragon Slayer, uh, which is a little uh -huh. dice game. It's very zombie dice-esque, but it's but better. Um, and I love it. And my wife was was in last place. And um, she uh, she was in last place, and it was the last turn of the game. And so she had no reason to quit until she won. Um, and normally in one of those rounds, you maybe score 15 points. Like 20 is really amazing. She scored 43 points <laughs> in one round. Because she just kept rolling because there was no reason to stop, mm -hmm. right? Because if she stopped, she lost and she won the game. She scored 43 points and then quit and she she won the game. Um, and that was like the most fun moment ever uh, in, a, in a pressure luck game. And when you're playing smart, that doesn't happen, right? Like, so it was created that moment out of necessity. And, and I think what you're talking about is creating that moment out of like being not good at it, right? And just being, mm -hmm. just having fun. And in that case, it was kind of like that because no one thought she was going to win. And despite the fact that like I was way ahead and then I think it was my daughter and then my son, like we were all excited to see her win. Like that was the best game we played that day um, because she just got incredibly lucky with dice rolls, you know? Um, yeah. And I think that there was no skill involved in that. Right. Like it was just mm -hmm. keep rolling, keep rolling, keep rolling. And um and I think that really falls in line with what you're saying of like not making the best calls, but making the fun calls, right. And doing the fun things um, when it comes to stuff. Yeah. And I, uh, I, I think that a lot of times being awful at something or making bad choices can ruin a game. Uh, but I, I think there are these unique cases you're talking about where it can really make the game better. Right. And, and I think I don't remember who originally said this, but there, there's some statement along the lines of like players will optimize the fun out of your game. Um, yeah. And and in a lot of these games, uh, you know, like like drawing games, a player that takes their full amount of time and draws exactly what they're supposed mm -hmm. to like. That's not that's not what I consider a fun experience within the scope of the game. Right. Right. Um, you know, it, and. I tend to be the person who's like, you know what? Like I can tell that this is, you know, this is a snake having a wine glass on the beach, but I don't, I don't, but I don't want, want to, I don't want that to be the, re the, the final result is like, I say what it is and then I get a point. Like I'd rather get right. no points. Right. Um, and, and that's where like, I think highlighting games like that and, and designing around that, there's a lot of opportunity that, um, people tend to look at, you know, the party game sphere and think that it's, you know, it's kind of a casual space. Um, you don't need good quality games. And I think that what, what it really comes down to is, is this, the way that we put value on these games is a little bit lopsided mm -hmm. and feeling like somebody has to deserve the, the person who, 
who wins has to deserve to win mm-hmm. is that's a strategy game approach. It does right, not right. need to be a party game approach. Like a party game approach is, uh, you know, um, did you learn something about the people around you? Did you build relationships with the people around you? Did you enjoy your time? Did you break the ice? Like, you know, there's mm-hmm. any number of things that can be going into that that brings a lot of value to the table that doesn't need to meet the same value curve as, you know, scythe or yeah you know, i mean in- they're different objectives right i mean mm-hmm. they're different objectives to the fun of it um you know it's it's the different ways you can have fun some people really get jazzed about playing a super strategic game you know that takes five hours and and some people don't and i i think from a design perspective though something that i i just kind of popped in my head now that i realized is that um the game we have banana channel and i have coming out this month no context is a game that very much falls into this category uh and it's not because it's not because like you can't strategize it's because everyone is inherently bad at the game um because it's so incredibly subjective right like in our game you've got these little comic panels and you're using the comic and you and you're trying to describe the comic panel to another person using other comic panels and the way you're trying to do that is by just saying you get three comic panels that you choose and you have to take each one of those and then say whether or not it describes the original comic panel you're trying to describe, which is 1000% subjective. Like mm-hmm. I actually was looking through the write-up that Skybound did on their website to explain how to play the game. Now I designed this game, right? Co-design, but like, and I looked and they were like, See, look at this example. It should be obvious what the answer is. I was like, well, yeah, obvious. It's this. And they're like, it's clearly this. And I was like, oh, God, that's not what I thought. Like, <laughs> and, but when I read what they had to say, I was like, that's t- totally logical. But what mm-hmm. I thought, also totally logical. Um, and then I just laughed about it because I realized how ridiculous it was that I was so certain and I was completely wrong. Um, and there's of course points in that game because you put points in party games. Um, I mean, I literally in pitches, I will say, and here's the point, here's how the points work. I know it doesn't matter, but I also know they have to be there because that's mm-hmm. just kind of the thing, right? Like some people want points. Like I have a co-op party game with points because people like to know that they, they did good. Like, right. There's a feedback it, loop that. Yeah. Like, how good want. did we do? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> right. you, you had fun and you and you technically won the game. So it doesn't matter if you got one point or 10 points. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, So but so, yeah. So I think when it comes to designing subjectivity in something like that really can increase the ability to be good or bad at the game. Right. Like to make mm-hmm. you worse at the game. Um, another game that comes to mind that I love is who knew. Um, and I don't know if you've ever seen it or played it, but essentially it is with that one. You get a bunch of cards that have things on them, like bubble bath, um, beach day, airplane ride, right? Uh, New York city. Like, so all these random things. And then it would be like, okay, it's Jack's turn. So everybody would say what they think that Jack is, um, cares about most. So I'm going to like, be like, Oh, Jack, you know, they lived in New York City or they lived in New York for a long time. So I'm going to put New York City. And then you're like, we left New York City because we hated it. Um, (laughs) Right. So I'm going to give that a one out of five. Right. I'm going to make them Mm -hmm. the thing I like the least. Um, And what's amazing is so you are given five cards and those five cards might all suck. Like I pick something for my wife who I've known for more than half of her life and more than half of my life. And, and she put it as the worst of the five (laughs) that people gave her. And it was legitimately what I thought was the best option of what I had. Mm -hmm. And then of course, everyone else also has options, which may or may not be good. Um, And they could literally randomly pick a card. It might actually end up being good. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in addition to that, you're, you're measuring those things against one another. Right. So there's so many variables that it's it's almost impossible to be super good at it. You can know the person really well and still suck at it. And mm-hmm. it's funny when it happens, right? It's funny when my wife's like, and then this is definitely last. And she's like, who put this out? And I was like, I, I did. <laughs> you know, and that's <laughs> hilarious, right? Um, so I think that that subjectivity really can make 
you know, taking away people's ability to be good at the game, mm-hmm. I think helps that. I, you see that with drawing games a lot, right? Where it's like, draw this with your left hand or like, you know, d- making you do it in a way that there's mm-hmm. like the games where you draw like blindfolded and stuff, right? That's kind of the point, right? Is that it makes it harder. Yeah, and that that actually brings up kind of a cool idea in as as to how you could highlight this stuff. So so we talk about in in gaming a lot of times a skill ceiling like how amazingly good can you do and like as you get better there's only like these incremental ways that you can get better but like so, like some games have a very low skill ceiling and you're either good at it or you're not and some have incredibly right. high skill ceilings what about a failure floor and <laughs> the ability to like have the floor drop out from under you and instead of like losing three points or four points lose 500 you know, to the point that it's just crazy how bad you can be at something. And and that's something where, like, you almost can't be angry, especially, like, with a game that kind of forces you to make the best of a bad situation. I love those situations, like like you said, where things can go so incredibly poorly that you can't help but just laugh at the situation. Right, right. Um, I had a situation, I, I, I was playing um, Resistance. And I was, mm-hmm. yeah, I was a member of the resistance. I, and I, I was, it was the final round and I had to choose the, I think three other people that had to go with me on the final mission. Um, and it had been a really long and grueling game, like a lot of like flips and backs and forths. And I picked the three people that I was absolutely certain were probably okay and the three people I picked were all three spies in the in the game. And it was literally the worst possible result that you could hit with this game. There is no worse result that you could right, have right. in the yeah, final. In the, yeah. yeah. And and so just flipping the cards, which was fail. Oh, well, okay, I guess we lost. All right. Well, how I guess the the rest are no, another fail. No, another fail. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> like, no, I did really bad. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, so that idea of like giving players the ability to just fail so spectacularly that you can't help but enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of games have this, this like, like they'll have catch up mechanics. They'll have, you know, uh, consolation prizes. They'll have these like safety nets to make sure that a player never falls behind by a certain mm-hmm. amount mm-hmm. i love the possibility of like i'm sorry you get you know eight thousand negative points you're never going to catch up right but right. nobody's going to forget this interaction in this game ever again right right yeah i think that um i think that's really like i you know in, in certain games their reason that they have kind of the rubber banding and the catch-up mechanics and stuff is all to ensure that it stays competitive right mm-hmm but if you're designing for it where it doesn't need to be, as we were designing a party game, giving someone minus 8,000 points, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Mm-hmm. They're not going to win. But but if they're concerned about who's going to win, then they're play, they're not playing the right game, <laughs> right? I mean, it's just, yeah, yeah. It's uh, the uh, the failure floor. I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like the idea of the of the failure floor just dropping out below you. Um, but yeah, there's, um, there's just, I think there's so many things that you can do with this when you, um, I, one of the things that popped in my head was like rolling, rolling a one on a D20 system based game, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you fail, when you roll like a five, but you needed a seven, right? Like the DM might be kind of crappy to you or the GM, sorry, might be kind of crappy to you. But like when you roll a one, at least in my experience, it's going to be a good time for everyone. Like you're going to fail and you're going to fail bad, but it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, like you're going to make it memorable. I'll I'll never forget. I had a group uh, that I was GMing for. And uh, in this one guy who was, uh, he was the worst role player ever and he knew it and he enjoyed being the worst role player ever. But um, like in the, in a, in an annoying way, like he purposely liked to just Mm -hmm. kind of annoy everyone um but he uh he found this ring uh it was a magic ring clearly and he did this like check on it he was like oh i want to know what it is and i don't remember what he rolled but he rolled 
he had me roll. So I rolled with plus his thing and I rolled a one. And he goes, what kind of magic ring is it? And I said, I said, what do you want it to be? And he was like, oh, really? He's like, well, we're kind of stuck down in this thing. I, I mean, I guess it would be really cool if it was a rig of flying. And I was like, all right, man, great. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to just jump off and fly up. And I was like, okay, well, you fall to the bottom of the lower pit and take, and I roll some dice this much damage. He's like, what the heck? And he's like, it's a ring of flying. And I was like, oh, no, it's it's not. You you rolled a one. But, um, you know, <laughs> I mean, and, and I mean, that was the best part of that epic adventure we had because, like, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I think those there's I think there's some evidence for for why having, you know, the super fail is funny. Right. I mean, like mm-hmm. almost making it is like, oh, but super failing is is funny. I mean, even in, like I think strategic card games, my family and I play. I mean, when I say strategic, I mean, like we're playing games where you're trying to win, whether we're playing like llama, uh, the llama card game or something, mm-hmm. even like Uno or something. Uno attack is actually a really, really good spin on uno when you talk about the idea of a failure floor because you know normally with uno you draw some cards but like it's not awful but with this one it's like hey you have to hit this button on this robot three times and every time you hit it it might spit three to five cards at you like and so you just (laughs) have like 15 cards um because somebody played like you know a wild on you um, and it, you can't even be mad anymore. Like, you're just like, this is, this is dumb. Like I'm having a great time. And then you can like trade hands with people, which, you know, so like I have two cards left. Aha. And somebody's like, here's 12 cards. And they trade hands with you. And it's because it's so ridiculous. No one's upset about it. You know, like no one's like a normal game where it's tight and you're like, Oh, I could have won. It's like, this is stupid. I have 40 cards in my hand. This is dumb. And I'm having a great time about it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and and Llama is is a good is a good example here because that's a that's a game that you can play super efficiently, and every once in a while you'll still just eat a ton of points, and there's nothing you can do about it. Right, and, right, and, right. And it's it's such a quick and easy game that nobody yep. like you know, or at least most people don't take it super super seriously. Right, but right, right. The the games where you know, you take a couple extra cards, you take a couple extra cards, and you're like, okay, I can get out, I can get yep, out. Yep. And then, you know, the last card you draw is a llama, and then somebody else goes out, and you get an extra, like, 11 points or whatever yep. it is. Like, it's it's got that experience to it. And, and I think there are ways of highlighting and, and encouraging that kind of experience with your game that, you know, mm-hmm. l- like, llama doesn't even have to explain to you that that's part of the game experience. It's just, you play the game like two or three times and you're going to get it. Yep. Yep. That game too. I love because that's a game that actually encourages you to fail bigger. Right. Mm-hmm. I would rather, I would absolutely rather end the round with 15 points than nine points because when you cross that 10 marker and you get that extra, you get that extra, you know, you get the black token instead of the white token. It actually allows you to like, it actually is a bigger failure that gives you a better catch-up mechanic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is hilarious that it actually you know works that way. So yeah, what to you are the big design principles around trying to make that work? You know, so I mentioned subjectiveness. Yeah. You know, you've talked about taking away the safety nets, kind of. Yeah, I, I think taking away the safety nets is big. I, I think it's also important that the game doesn't uh, stay any longer than it needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's definitely a pacing that needs to be paid attention to. Um, a good example is uh, programming games are, are a great area for this because when you when you misprogram, you can see some really <laughs> catastrophic stuff happen. You know, your, yeah. your robot runs right off the edge of the map or, you know, whatever. Um, and so Robo Rally is, is a really good programming game despite being one of the first. Uh, another programming game that I enjoy but I'm about to complain about, uh, I, I believe it was called River Dragons. Um, where you are programming cards to lay down um, planks across a river and you're trying to get across. And the problem with that one in this context is that when you have that moment of like, oh man, like I screwed up and uh, this is terrible, Mm -hmm. you then have to sit there and, and manually place the planks and move your piece and hop over and hop back. And so instead of having that like, 
that that exacerbation moment and then uh-huh, the uh-huh. calm down. It's exacerbation and then just frustration while you're <laughs> like doing the manual operations of the game that the game is now penalizing you with. Um, right, right. So I, I think I think getting through that quickly uh, helps kind of take out some of the sting. And then um, the other thing is just uh, like like we talked a little bit about the idea of points don't matter. And I think there are ways that you can embrace that beyond mm-hmm. just, Oh, there's, there's this tacked on points thing. Um, I have a game called uh, poetry by committee uh, where you're making <laughs> terrible poetry. Yeah. I assume uh, if it's poetry by committee, like that's, it that's is, already been, I get it. <laughs> yeah. You're, 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 uh, you're basically swapping out all of these different rules and the rules are things like you can't use the letter E you have to use a, a word that's, you know, uh, nine letters long. Um, you have to use a pop culture reference, et cetera. Um, uh-huh. but the way, <laughs> the way the game works is, uh, the second, the player with the second most points at the end of the game wins. Uh-huh. So if you're a tryhard and you do super super well at the game, you have the most points. Congratulations, you lost to the second place player. <laughs> and there are you know thematic excuses for that. Um, right, right, it, right. It's got like a corporate uh, kind of theme thrown across it. So the idea is if you if you try hard and you do you do the most, you are forced to accept a promotion with minimal raise and tons and tons of new responsibilities. And if you just kind of coast under that person then you get a small raise and no change in responsibilities and that makes you the winner and i mm-hmm. think i think games can do stuff like that where it's like you know the you only get points if you're second place or third place or um i have another game called life sucks where you're you're expending uh positive life events to avoid negative life events and at the end of that game, there's two winners. There's the person with the most points and the person with the least points without going uh, below zero. And the way it's described is these two winners are equally tied for the victory, but it is more impressive to have the lower score. Right. Yeah, because you clearly <laughs> like skate at the bottom, right? That's the mm-hmm. shoot the moon kind of mechanic, right? Right. <laughs> when you fail so big that you actually win yeah and and then the other thing is uh, having um i mentioned consolation prizes before um in games that you're bad at the consolation prize for some of them is a keepsake so like with drawing games you get to keep the drawing with my poetry Mm -hmm. game you get to keep the poem Mm -hmm. and in a lot of games those moments where where things are to the extreme like like things go very poorly the keepsake is the interaction that you had with your friends because odds are pretty good. They're going to bring it up again at some point in the future. (laughs) You know, they are right. (laughs) But speaking of when we were talking about monikers, my wife uh, was, you know, in a hurry trying to guess. And she tried, was trying to guess Julian Assange. And she said, Julian Assange. Um, (laughs) And like, we still like, that's still a joke in our house. Like, like several years later, that was like pre COVID when that came up. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah yeah and it still is it's still funny right like Mm -hmm. and uh that sort of stuff is is the stuff that sticks with you so that's yeah and that i mean really like the point of games in general to me are those moments those memorable moments right and Mm -hmm. i think that so often like we think about like how do i win the game like you know because i remember that awesome win and i remember some awesome wins and games i've had but generally when i remember awesome wins and games i've had it was not it was it was it was luck right it was like randomness that helped me win it wasn't like just like it wasn't pure skill or something like that right Mm -hmm. you know um because you don't remember those like oh i wanted a skill great um but it's not always that's not always fun right i mean like winning Mm -hmm. by skill is not always fun it's um i you know i know like i used to get wrapped up in some games and i was playing Marvel Dice Masters for a while back when that was real popular. And I remember I had a specific deck and I've talked about this on the show, but it's been a very long time, but I had a specific like black widow deck. Um, and then you could bring the way they did their drafting games was you would bring one or two cards of your own. And I had like the super rare black widow. And then you had to use uh, the cards from the decks to finish them off. And I would literally just take the cards I brought 
And then I would take the required cards from the other thing and just ignore them unless there was a Black Widow card that I could steal an extra die from. And then I would take that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would just play with my deck. And I never lost a single game. I think I think I lost one game in the whole thing, but I won every single like tournament they had. And it was never fun. <laughs> it was not <laughs> fun at all. But I really wanted like the promo prizes. So mm-hmm. I just I just destroyed it. And it was incredibly unfun. And when the new I was really like, oh, they've got a new set coming out. It's like the X-Men set. It's gonna, it's gonna make this Black Widow deck not work. And they brought it out. And I brought my old deck to the first thing. So I was like, oh, I'll just play it because I don't have anything else. And I, I it was still unstoppable. And I was like, this isn't fun anymore, guys. I'm not gonna do this. <laughs> and I just stopped playing. So I'm like, this just isn't fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, well, there's also like, especially when you're looking at like strategy games, um, most strategy games have one way to win. You know, I, I got the mm-hmm. most points because I got the most territory because I won the most battles, etc. But especially like social games, drawing games, like uh, deduction games, um, there are a million ways that you can fail and one way mm-hmm. that you can succeed. And so right. the, the, the ways that you fail are always a much more interesting story and a much more dynamic and unusual story than the ways that you succeed. It's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, failing is, is fun, right? I mean, mm-hmm. not always in life, but like in games, failing is fun. And epically failing will always be more fun. Um, epic good, epic bad will always be more memorable than just okay right (laughs) Mm -hmm. the other thing that that i it it brings up and and we've already touched on this a little bit is the underdog mentality and the idea that like if i'm at risk of failing so catastrophically that i can never come back there's Mm -hmm. always that that chance that i can turn it around at the last possible moment and and that that is another one of those like those are much more interesting stories about how i won the game than mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that like you know that like i was in the lead and then i stayed in the lead and then i was right, in the lead right. at the end um right, and right. so like like your your situation with your grandma like rolling dice and just like ending up with like 43 extra points like she, yes she won but it's a much more interesting st- that story because she won by way of that failure curve and i think right that's right. that's something that if you can highlight that in games or or you can get players to almost like 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 uh what do you call it like like skip across the like edge of the sun to like 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 lunar shot around the corner and like Mm -hmm. fly Mm -hmm. past everybody that's a much more exciting opportunity and and it makes me want to like design a a point system around a game that like the more the more behind you get the the higher your upswing is and it's not a catch-up me- uh, mechanic it is literally a feature of the game like right if, right, you start, right if you just start off doing well you don't have any failure to expend on your upward swing right right that is uh that's an interesting that's an interesting take on that i like that something else that, that pops in my mind about that is that like i know this has happened to me before when when the game is close and you think you've got a clever way to win right Mm-hmm. and um you're super close you're like oh i think okay i got this like i got my last turn planned out like i'm gonna win and then you lose right then something happens and you lose like that's disappointing right like mm-hmm. that because and it's not because you lost it's because you got so wrapped up in the idea that you were going to win right i'm I'm clever i did this clever thing it's going to be cool it's going to be epic because i did this clever thing and now i'm going to win and um and i think the idea that you can have the exact same excitedness and happiness when you tank a game <laughs> is is a, is a twist that I don't think that a lot of game designers honestly think about when they're designing, mm-hmm. and I don't think a lot of publishers think about it when they're publishing. Right, and and I do a lot of um, play testing and in, in game development, and and mm-hmm. a lot of times there is that that approach of you know, did the winner deserve to win, you know, and, and there's not necessarily that question of like, did the losers deserve to lose or did the losers enjoy their time? Right, um, right, right, right. You know, like, and, and, and I've had this feedback on a lot of games um, where I'm like, 
you know, I can see who's going to win, you know, a third of the way through the game. And that's fine in some contexts, but I want to know that my time is enjoyable if, if, you know, if it's a foregone conclusion or, you know, whatever, or I want to know that I can fail in my own special way and you can fail in your own special way. And, and Mm -hmm. I, I mean, especially the games that I really, really enjoy are the ones where everybody fails in their own special way and nobody succeeds in their, in, in the one way. Um, those are, those are really exciting to me. Um, right, right. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's really interesting to think about it that way. Everybody fails in their own special way. You know, I, I, I think, you know, so many games are based around the idea that someone's going to win. Right. And, and why not? Like, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. yes, there are some co-op games or there are some um, competitive games where it's like, you know, one person's going to win, but also everyone could lose if this thing happens. And, and you know, Jamie has pointed out many times that they've said, like, in those games, I will just purposely tank everyone if I'm not going to win, because that's mm-hmm. the most like th- that is the most strategic move to make. Right. Stop yeah. everyone from winning. Um, and they're not wrong. Right. I mean, I don't think we disagree that they're wrong, but building it into the game that like the idea that we all get to fail like one of us could win but it's more fun if we all just fail right Mm -hmm. um i a a role-playing game that comes to mind with that is a game like fiasco right right like no one no one should walk away from that game winning like you won because you played but like your character and your story it better go south real fast because otherwise What's the point, right? I mean, literally on the cover, one of the best covers ever is a person shooting themselves in the back. Like, it's just <laughs> like, like, as if you look, it's like an arm, at least on the old version that I have, mm-hmm. there's a person with a gun out and it wraps around the book and is pointing at their back. And I just love that. Like, because that is the, it is the game of self-sabotage, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's, you know, there's an interesting idea, like, um, a game where, um, you know, everyone has the chance to win, but you're trying to, you're trying to sabotage yourself. Like it kind of like the idea of you had said, like in your one game where the person with the most points wins, but second place, like the other winner is the person who almost loses. Right. The idea of people trying to sabotage themselves just enough um, to be the worst without actually like going below the line is a really interesting mechanical idea for a game. But I mean, as I say it, my only thought is like, that's a thematic thing, right? I mean, if you just flip that around, then suddenly you're just doing the opposite, right? Like you're just trying to get as high as you can without exceeding a certain number, um, right? I mean, it's really no different. Well, I don't think. yeah, I, I, think, I think there are some things you can do there that influence player decisions. And, and, and this is feedback that I also give very often is if there's an optimal play and I'm always taking it, then I'm not really making decisions. Um, And in a game where I like, for instance, second place wins because first place, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, is, is hauled in by the cops or, uh, you know, pays the highest taxes or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. um, There's a lot of like trying to thread that needle and, and right. Right. You know, talk about skill ceilings the more that the players play, the tighter that needle gets. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that can be very, very interesting um, in its own right. Uh, and, and that's where like, like this mentality doesn't just have to apply to party games and non-strategic social games. Like there, there's a certain quality to strategic games that I think like giving players the opportunity to take risks um, and then just kind of tank their whole strategy people don't want to do that in a three hour game. Like if I, if I, no. Oh no, I've talked about that so many times. Yeah. Like, like if I can tank my strategy in the first half an hour of a two hour game, I'm then held hostage for the rest of the game. And potentially I'm just put into a, a, you know, a a king making situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The, now um, if agreed, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Now if, if there were ways to create like those micro failures, and like your strategy on the whole isn't ruined, but maybe like you have more opportunities to like come back. You know, I th- I think there's definitely some things to play with there, but we do have this. Um, it's almost an intrusive need 
to say that whoever's winning deserves to win in every game that we play you know even like apples to apples it's like oh like somebody has to win you know and it's the person who plays the best apples cards and right. there's you know there's a lot of luck that feeds into that so mm-hmm. it's it's hard to say that the winner is the person who deserves to win it's just the person who got the right cards and happened to play right. the best stuff um Right. To the right people even. Right. Because I mean, again, that's a game with so much subjectiveness that in reality, you're just trying to play to what people like. Right. Like what Mm -hmm. that what does Jack want to see on this? You know, I am still upset to this day that the the uh, adjective card was bold and I played Mount Rushmore and they they picked something else. And I was like, come on. What's bolder than Mount Rushmore? It's true. And it was all true. crickets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yes, yes. I I still remember to this day my worst failure at like like games like Codenames and stuff, where you said something that you were like, "This is genius," and then people just crickets. <laughs> And then you explain it to them afterwards and they're like, I still don't get it. And you're like, I hate you. I'll never play this game with you again. <laughs> um, and then you do. And then they just keep teasing you about the one dumb thing you said one time. It wasn't dumb. It was genius. But they mm-hmm. didn't understand it because they weren't. As, they didn't pay attention in history class. And that's not your fault. Um, you know, <laughs> so not your fault at all. The jerks. Um, um, the uh, there, there, there have been some different games with the whole second place winner thing that I I think is interesting. Like, you know, there was why first, I think it was called and it was like a racing game or something, or I don't know, it was something, but you wanted to be second place. And like, I had such a hard time getting my head around that because I was playing it. Like I was like, I know that I want to be in second, but like, I, I'm not sure how to make that happen. And Mm -hmm. so I keep getting in first and (laughs) And probably just making the game real easy for the person who actually did win in second. So they're like, well, I guess I'll just keep trying real hard here because this guy seems to think first is the best. Um, yeah. Uh, I Yeah. And, and on uh, on some Twitch streams, uh, I've noticed there, there's uh, a lot of people have been doing what's called golf rules in a number of games where the goal mm-hmm. is to get yep. the, the lowest score possible. Yeah. And I actually, I really enjoy some of those because some really tight... Uh, strategy games like like Azul is a perfect example like you have to be very particular about the way that you draft in order to get a low score um mm-hmm. and and I think that that's that's indicative of this idea of like we can flip a lot of these games upside down and it does fundamentally change it, it's literal it's not literally do the opposite and you'll get the lowest score. Like it fundamentally changes the way that drafting works in some games. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, there's a whole different strategy in trying to lose efficiently, right? Like mm-hmm. trying to, you know, get the lowest score. Um, games like uh, parade or no thanks uh, are both really good at that too. Um, and those are games where the point is to have the lowest score at the end. And it's a very risk reward game in like you know the way you're playing it of trying Mm to uh they both i think have the similar rule where you know you um you get points for if you connect things so like you know you have a certain line of cards and then you only get like the lowest card or something is i think they both work i haven't played parade in years but that's how no thanks works and um you know so it's kind of that that push and pull pressure luck thing Mm -hmm. um and yeah yeah it's uh it's definitely um yeah, it definitely uh, changes up kind of the dynamic of how you look at it, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I would love if, uh, you know, you would be willing to pitch a game. You said you've got a game that kind of fits in line with this. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, I, I'd love I, to hear about that. Yeah, I, I mentioned it once already, um, maybe twice. Uh, it's Poetry by Committee. Oh, okay, um, cool, cool. And and I actually, so there's two ways you can play it. Um, it's on screen top. Uh, you need your own pencil and paper, uh, but mm-hmm. you can play it, you know, with other people. Um, but I've also got a print and play version. Uh, the ideal way of playing it is you actually write a line of the poem, and then you pass it to the player on your left, and then you write the line for the next player. Um, but I've got links for that that I'm going to share with you so people can try it. It's, it's like 
I, I think it's like 18 cards. It's not a it's not a hefty print. Um, and the game itself takes uh, round, rounds are timed, so you can mm-hmm. play the full game in like 20 minutes, and you end up with just some atrociously bad poetry. Um, if anybody's familiar with Vogon poetry, it's been compared to that very that often. I literally, literally <laughs> is what I was about to say is like, if you've read the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, this sounds like Vogon poetry, especially because they were super big about like committees for everything and all the paperwork had to be filed and stuff and wrote poetry. So when you said poetry, you got a committee, it was literally the first thing that popped in my head. I, um, I wanted to call it Vogon poetry, but uh, the the estate would not respond to my emails. Yeah, yeah. Which is too <laughs> bad because like, oh, the artwork on that with like the mm-hmm. Vogons on it. Like, oh, man, they're just so good. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and, yeah, and as, you, as you hit the mark as... with that because I knew what you were going for when you said it. Yeah. And, and in the realm of keepsakes, uh, the first time we ever played a prototype version, um, my wife won the game with her poem, uh, Daddy Remembers Sandwich Time. And our <laughs> friends kept the poem. And then for Christmas that year, they had it screen printed onto a pillow that that we uh, that we keep on our couch. That is amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Daddy remembers sandwich. <laughs> I I I uh if it wasn't for the somehow real big NSFW vibes from that, uh I would name the episode that, but I'm not going to. <laughs> um but wowza, that's uh that's good. So yeah, so um <laughs> the game's I mean I uh, I would love to try the game. The print and play would be great. Um, is that something you have for sale? Uh, the print and play is free. Um, oh, cool. And then, and then the, there's a free version on uh, my uh, screen top, uh, which uh, people can find me just Jack Rose Tree uh, on screen top. You can Google it. It's pretty easy. Um, so I, I have a couple of games on itch as well. Again, mm-hmm. Jack Rose Tree, all one word. Just find me on itch. Um, some of them are, you know, pay what you want. Uh, most of them are free or, you know, pay what you want. Um, mm-hmm. It's just kind of, you know, check it out, play it. You know, if you enjoy it and, you know, if any uh, any any publishers out there want to want to create a fun little poetry game, um, you know, it's always out there and available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should definitely uh, show that to some publishers as well. So I love that. Awesome. Well, yeah. So um, look that stuff up and check it out. Um, thank you for being here tonight and chatting with yeah, me. This was super fun me. and uh, a different kind of topic that I really enjoyed. Um, a different way to think of failure, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've talked about failure so many times in the show. It was like actual failure, but this is like, let's have fun with failure. <laughs> um. Well, listeners, I hope you enjoyed the topic. And of course, you can go to buildingthegamepodcast.com if you want to get in touch with us there. You can find a link to our Discord, join our Discord, come to our weekly meetups, hang out with myself, hang out with Jack. It's a good time. Um, also, you can, of course, email us to buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the Twitter at podcastbtg, at jaceslingerlin, and at Jack Rosetree. And of course, you can keep coming back every single week. But until next time, good night. Good night. Building the game, building the game, with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game, with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. The end of the episode, that's when it technically ends.